Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 162 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is always going to be most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the markers. This week, we're going to be talking about John Wick Chapter 2 on your Consider This a Professional Courtesy podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter tweeting about everything during this quarantine, at Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. You can find me on Twitter, at Matthew Vose. This is coming out in May. The world's going to be back to normal by May, surely. <laughs> Maybe. North Carolina is at the shelter in place until April 29th, Oof. so... We'll yeah. see. No, the world is. I'm not convinced. No, the world is not going to be back back to normal. There, there was like stuff on the community board of people saying, "Once this is over, we should have giant community street parties and so on." Like, yes, that's a lovely idea. This is not going to be over. We're not going to have one day like, "Hey, it's going to be May." It's gonna be May. Let's <laughs> let's now have a <laughs> street party. Like, suddenly you can all go back and do your thing. It's going to be right now. People who work in Towns but not cities are allowed to go back to work, or now people are allowed to go out a bit mm-hmm. more, congregate in numbers, but still lo- fewer than 20, this kind of thing. It's going to be gradual, bringing back our right. civil liberties, <laughs> uh, until until such time as there are vaccines, vaccines are administered, and we are not risking huge numbers of people dying over it. Yes. Frankly. Yes. <laughs> this is our no- new normal for a little mm. while, and... Luckily, we can still record our podcast. We can watch movies. We don't have to go outside to do this. We can record. It's awesome. (laughs) And and we can do stuff. So, you see, this is coming out in May. I can't even advertise what I'm doing. At the moment, I'm doing baking stuff online. I'm FaceTiming with people and I'm chatting with people online about this and everything. If that ramps up, you might be able to find me on Instagram doing Bake Along with Matthew, Read Along with Matthew, whatever craft thing is going on. Or I might have stopped because the house is full of cake and cookies. <laughs> and at some point I need to That's stop. That's true. You do have to eat what you Right. Eat. This is why cookies is the second one. Because at least cookies, you don't have to bake them all at once. If you make a batter of cake or bread oh, or something, that's you true. have to bake it. You could also, if you're still getting mail, you could make a little package of baked goods for your postal carrier and leave it outside. Yeah, I'm so... It, and, and, and this is a great idea. Like, oh, you can give stuff away to people. I don't want anything from people at the moment. I had to give a friend a birthday card, so I sellotaped it down. Like, I'm not licking a card. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I don't okay. want to touch people. I don't want to go near people. <laughs> he says as he touches his face. Hey, I can touch myself. My nose. <laughs> John Wick 2. John, John Wick, Wick 2. Two. Can you remind us what you thought of John Wick 1? I loved it. Okay. I did. I was fascinated by the universe. Mm-hmm. It's unlike anything I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And that's saying a lot, considering I never really thought I would like a movie that was action for the sake of action. Yeah. And that's kind of what John Wick is. Yeah. But it's Keanu Reeves doing it, and so it's wonderful. The only thing that pissed me off was nobody warned me that there was a puppy that was going to die. <laughs> so we did this back at the end of September, as the last week of our uh, Keanu Reeves month. Mm-hmm. So you can go and listen to us talk a lot about Keanu Reeves back then, talk, us talking about John Wick. I think, as you say, like you were quite surprised by 
oh, this is an interesting world, this is a bit weird. And particularly, mm-hmm. the, the, the film just gets to about 20, 25 minutes in, and then it's pretty much action from there on out. Yes. So. But it was great. It just goes, yeah, and it's good action. It's thrilling. It's different than we've seen. It's, you know, we, we liked that uh, some of it was reminiscent of a horror, but the evil horror person was actually our protagonist that we were rooting for. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. So okay. we come to John Wick Chapter 2. Yes. Do you want to tell us what John Wick Chapter 2 is about? After returning to the criminal underworld to repay a debt, John Wick discovers that a large bounty has been put on his life. Where's that from? IMDb. Okay. Because it's wrong, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yes. All right. John Wick Chapter 2 is the 2017 sequel to 2014's John Wick. Like the first one, it was written by Derek Kolstad and directed by Chad Stahelski. Keanu Reeves, John Leguizamo, Ian McShane, and Lance Reddick all return and are joined by Common, Ruby Rose, Lawrence Fishburne, and Ricardo Scamarcio. It more than doubled what the original got at the box office, grossing $171 million worldwide on a $40 million budget. How's my short history yeah. compared to yours? I'm rivaling you. Yeah, you absolutely are. There. Sequels, spin-offs, you know. Well, but we're going to get there because we're okay. going to do the third one eventually. Yeah. Then we can talk about that stuff. Uh, do we have to? Yes. <laughs> How did you watch John Wick Chapter 2? Um, Joseph does own these, okay. but it is available to rent everywhere. Nice. How about you? Uh, it's available on Netflix over here. It is not here. Yeah. That's disappointing. Like we found with John Wick, John Wick 2 and now 3 are available on Netflix, but the first one is not. For some oh, reason, okay. the, the first one is... Uh, we, we I think we said in the last one, like we think it's a different uh, distribution company. Oh, right. So. Okay. So it looks like John Wick 3 is on Hulu. Yeah. Maybe. Although it could just be the HBO add-on on Hulu. I wish, I wish we got Hulu over here. I love Hulu. Yeah. I it, like I keep seeing things like, "Oh, hey, that's available on Hulu." Well, good for you. <laughs> There's a new show that because you liked Crazy Ex-Girlfriend so much, you might actually really like it. Mm. Um, although I've never seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I just know it's a musical sitcom. Okay. Hulu has a musical sitcom nice. <laughs> called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and I love it. Okay. And you might like it too. Okay. But it's on Hulu. I'll keep an eye out for it. I'm I'm yeah torn over whether i should watch high school musical the musical the series because the idea is i want so good. to yeah. but I, i've heard I'm that scared. the first half is excellent and then it sort of goes off the rails a little bit but mm. Mm. okay common and ruby rose and, and i you've reminded me lawrence fishman is in this uh, what's your experience of common and ruby rose um ruby rose i discovered who she was uh from orange is the new black mm-hmm. she was in at least one season a couple years back um, and now she's doing the Batgirl TV show Bat on woman. CW. Batwoman. Woman. Sorry. Oh, I haven't watched it. I've only seen the trailer, but it looks cool. It starts this week. And, and she was in, so she was in last year's crossover, uh, the Elseworlds crossover. So that was her introduction to the DC Arrowverse. Okay. Um, and now she's got her own series and she, her episode is one of the episodes of the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover series. Cool. Mm. All right. Um, Common, I've heard of him. That's all I got. Okay. Good. He's a singer, right? Uh, yeah, rapper, I think he was. Rapper, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, I, I wanted to mention Common because I'd completely forgotten. I was going through his list of stuff. Ten years before this came out, he was in a film called Smoking Aces as the bodyguard of the guy who's being hunted. 
the chap, the Ace's chap, in fact. And then the year so after, he's got a type. Yeah, and then the year after that, he was the gunsmith in Wanted, which is about a guild of assassins. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's done a lot of different things, but you suddenly look at them like, oh, there's an interesting through line here. Okay. Have you seen Smoking Aces? Never heard of it. Mm. Ryan Reynolds, Jeremy Piven. Mm. Interesting. Uh, okay. Ben Affleck. Jason Bateman, Andy Garcia, Alicia Keys, Ray Liotta, Jeremy Piven, Ryan Reynolds. I like that's it. a fascinating lineup. It's ridiculous, but I liked it. Um, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, well, obviously he was in the Matrix with Keanu Reeves. Obviously he was in the Matrix. I mean, what else do we need to say about him? Uh, is he married to Gina Torres? Yes. Is he? Yeah, yeah. There's a. Is Gina Torres's husband? Uh, oh no! Ah. Oh. They divorced just after this film was made. Oh. Oh, that's a shame. Because that was a power couple, you know. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I did not know that. Mm. We talked, obviously, on John Wick 1 about other stuff this is like and revenge thrillers and action films. So, did you enjoy... It's, this is exactly like all of this. Yeah, basically. Did you enjoy John Wick Chapter 2? I did. Yeah? I really did. Okay. Yes. What did you like about it? All of the things that I liked about the first one... We're present in this movie. Okay. And some of them were dialed up to 10. And I, I was going to talk about this in my in my favorite section, but um, I feel like you need me to talk about things so that this podcast is more than five minutes long. <laughs> so um, the, the universe that, this, that John Wick exists in is fascinating to me. Right. And in this one, we got to see even more than what we saw in the first one. Because in the first one, everything we saw was kind of in New York in that continental mm-hmm. hotel, right? We saw the doctor. We saw them, uh, the cleaners. What did they call them? He, he the needed cleaners. to make a reservation or whatever yeah. the clean, for the cleaners. Um, and it was all very local. And so it kind of felt like it was just this thing that happens in New York that's just tied to this one hotel. Mm-hmm. And this movie makes it global because we've got the continental in – New York, but we've also got the one in Rome. Mm. And then in Rome, we get to see him going back and forth between the sommelier where he's getting all his guns, mm-hmm. which I thought was fantastic because they kept up the premise the whole time. You know, like they're, he's not, he's gun shopping and he's trying out literal guns, but they're talking about them like they're wine. Like he needs something for after dinner that's bold and robust. He needs something for dessert, you know, and it's, it's guns and it's clear that they're just, Keeping up these pretenses to be like prim and proper. Yeah. And I loved it. Right. I loved it. And they did the same thing um, with him getting the tuxedos, right? He's getting mm-hmm. one for day and he's getting one for night, but they're sewing body armor between the <laughs> layers of fabric. It's it's amazing. Like this world is just so interesting to me. Right. And so I absolutely enjoyed just being in it for, for two hours. Right. Nice. Good for you. <laughs> Go ahead, tell everybody how you felt about this movie. I mean, there's stuff in the in the universe stuff that I'm going to come back to. Because, um, mm-hmm. like, actually, no, let's start off with the universe stuff because that really appealed to you in the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I think what we liked was like the build up into it. You know, he's out, and then these guys come and attack him because of all the stuff around it, and there's a chop shop dealing with the cars and so on. Uh, but then the police turn up, and it's the police going, oh, John, are you working again? Mm-hmm. And, and they clearly know a bit what's going on, and then they introduce the hotel, and then they introduce the rules of the Continental and all of this. So it sort of builds into it and so on. And this one, you're absolutely right. It takes that and turns, okay, 
if this world exists, what does it look like? How, who is the armorer and what does the armorer work as? And what does the person who gives them the body armor? Well, okay, let's make it a tailor and let's make it this and let's make them a sommelier. And, and I think I dig it. I'm not entirely sure I like the execution of that montage sequence where you're going between the cartographer, the sommelier and the tailor. I didn't like it to start with. In okay. fact, in my notes, I, I say it's weird. Mm. Like I thought that's a really weird, the way they cut it together. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't even realize it's a montage at first. Yeah. And, and so I think the execution of that was weird. But once I understood what they were doing, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it because if we had just gotten five minutes at the tailor and then five minutes at the, the wine store and five minutes at the other one, you know, that would have been boring. Yeah. Maybe. And so cutting it together where we just get the most important pieces mm-hmm. was nice, mm-hmm. but they should have started it differently. Yeah. I, I think. The bit in the tailors where he's like, you know, oh, how do you want the cut? How many buttons? What, uh, you know, all this. Mm-hmm. And then what lining? Tactical. Like, okay, <laughs> okay. It feels like No, I loved it. It feels geared towards the sort of teenage brain of, yeah, murder, death, crazy uh. kill. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> On top of the, you know, what would you want for, um, you know, for, for your main dish. Oh, something robust, robust. Hmm, let me see what sort of big shotgun I have that's robust. Right, right. It, it, it feels like they're trying for nuance and then the nuance is not there. It's, it's engaging a very lizard reptile brain thing. I think of, oh, power kill oh, stuff. See, I, I found the nuance there and I okay. found it lovely. So, and that, that's good. Like, I, I'm quite pleased about that. For me, for whatever reason, it doesn't work. And it's, it's interesting because I like Peter Serafin, Peter Serafinowitz, who is the sommelier. Mm-hmm. He is, um, one of the guys in Guardians of the Galaxy where he gives a good performance. He's the tick in the tick. You know, he's quite an engaging guy on screen. I quite like him. Um, and, and I think we have another film coming up with him in it. So be quite fun to see him coming back. Okay. But for whatever reason, again, it doesn't quite work here. It's slightly caricaturist mm-hmm. in a film that doesn't go to humour in that way. When we come to watch okay. The Kingsman, this will fit. And, and okay. some of this is very similar to The Kingsman because it does some of the same sort of thing. But that works as a comedy. It's going for a sort of ch- cheeky James Bond vibe. Mm-hmm. This is, takes itself seriously. That's true. Yeah. That is true. And and thinking about it like that, it does feel a little bit odd. I was just so delighted by it, I didn't yeah. care. And and maybe they actually change the style and I should, I should run to keep up with them. Maybe. Accounts Payable is where it loses me. Mm. This multi-level building run by pretty women who are secretaries. All dressed exactly the same. All dressed exactly the same, but there's this thing of all, but they've got piercings and... They're, they're, it's, and tattoos. It's, yeah, it's suicide girls as, a, yes. a, you know, accounts function. Doing stuff on typewriters and with ledgers, and it's just... And the old-fashioned operator switchboard. Yeah, it's it's a bit weird, and it's almost too much. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so now we've got a lot of people who aren't engaged in the murder-death-kill stuff, but are part of this world somehow and it's just it's a bit okay how I, I don't quite buy it i don't quite believe it well so by the end of this movie i was wondering if there was anybody in this whole world that wasn't involved in the corporation right and that's the thing they show at the end is like okay they have a lot of power and a lot of people they can close an area and get all their people in there that kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's just okay it was cool when it was kind of underground 
you know, Illuminati type thing that you right, don't get part of. Right, but this of. is no longer underground. Yeah. Yeah. So, so That's fair. perhaps it takes it to too much and, and I should just go with it. For whatever reason, it didn't work. But the big part of this film is continuing the action of the first film. And and being a very you know a, a, a big action film, I think you made a comment about like action for action's sake, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is going to run around killing dudes and driving cars fast and stuff. And and it's really hard to say it, but I'm really bored by this film because I don't think it ever does anything that I didn't get in the first one. So that's like I'm going to use a metaphor on you that it's like I went somewhere and was given a delicious steak. Like, a really mm-hmm. lovely steak. Cooked as I like it. Uh, and I got to sit and eat lovely steak. Dom, if you're listening, what was that steakhouse we went into in Seattle? Uh, there's lots of steak. In fact, lots of, lots in Washington State for some reason. Every good steakhouse I think of is Washington State, but fine. Um, <laughs> and then I went back and, I was, uh, and they went, oh, we've got more for you. And we're going to give you more stuff. So they give me a delicious steak. And then when I finish that steak, they go, and now we've got another steak for you. And they just keep giving me steak. There's no extras there's no peppercorn sauce there's no onion loaf there's no things on top of it. it's just here is more steak like the first steak mm-hmm. and 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 i get very bored with the steak very quickly okay that's fair <laughs> i like steak like you're not <laughs> wrong even like my one of my early like thoughts in the thoughts doc was this feels exactly like the first one we even get right. the same scene of him in the shower right yeah like, for a minute, I thought that I was accidentally watching the first one. <laughs> nice. But then it was different, you know, like a different film yeah, and all okay. that stuff. But I like steak. I am I am perfectly fine with getting more steak that's the same as the first steak because <laughs> this steak is good. Yeah. And this is where the metaphor falls down. Like, I like steak as well. And coming back to a steak, you know, a couple of years after the first steak mm-hmm. is fine because it's food and it it's it's a different response but when it's an entertainment thing like this and a story i could not eat the first steak again if i wanted to watch a good action film that does action for action's sake and has that drama and a protagonist that we enjoy why am i not just watching john wick one that i enjoyed so much right there's no reason for me to watch john wick two because at this point and we can get into i don't like the protagonist in this the story doesn't add anything it's not any better the world throws me out sometimes because it's like okay this is a bit weird this is a bit cheeky this is a bit weird so I, I i wish i wish it somehow gave me more i wish it elevated the action or did something different with the action but it just feels like the same thing the motivation for john wick mm-hmm. was better in the first one mm. because he's driven by love and revenge mm-hmm. revenge because of love yes right yeah absolutely and in this movie he's driven essentially because of blackmail Mm-hmm. Like you have to do this thing, and so he has no choice. And then, because he did this thing, all of a sudden, of course, they're going to try to kill him to yeah. cover it up. So he has yet another contract on his life, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So the 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 plot motivation was lacking. Yeah, hugely. Yeah. Which is a real shame, like you said, because that first one does it so so well. Mm-hmm. And okay, let's get into the plot particulars. He goes to kill the sister, Gianna? I think so. Gianna. And this is her coronation. This is in a world that is very masculine. She has made it to the top. And he manages to get in, and because he's there, she decides to kill herself? Because she lived her life the way she wanted, she's not going to let somebody else take her life. So she's going to kill herself. That's so weak. Which is which is really poor writing. 
I, in my head, because I watched this 2017, 2018, when it came out. So it's been a good couple of years at least since I watched it. In my head, they started working together. I had actually rewritten the film in my head to make it better. I thought there was a whole thing of he actually decides to let her live. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he realizes that this whole thing is to set him up and to have a bad guy take over that he decides not to. So he sort of does it on a moral code or something. And again, that's why you would be able to back him because he's doing the right thing for the right reasons, as to were. But we don't get that. That would have been better. Hmm. But I think the movie tried to set it up that he couldn't do that when Winston was talking to him about how he had no choice to, but to use Colin the Marker. Mm-hmm. Um, because he told him, if you run, you die. If you don't do it, you die. If you kill him, you die. Yeah. Because these are the rules of the world. So even if he had killed him without completing his task, mm-hmm. somebody else would have killed him for breaking the rules. Well, they tried. In but, but, poor movie logic. Like, we get to the same point at the end of this film, if we do the story slightly better, where he doesn't kill this woman. She doesn't just kill herself because John Wick is there. There's a, even an interesting hint that there's a previous relationship between her and John Wick. Mm-hmm. There's something in there that I quite enjoyed. And I think th- they could have done something good with. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you don't if you kill him because he's a bad person, he's trying to do this to me. I will protect you because I'm a, I am actually in charge. He just wants to be in charge. Right. It, that would have been better. It's such a shame that we cannot get behind him as a protagonist. I mean, I mean, and he has very little else other than that thing. Mm-hmm. the confidence that he can beat people. And they then set him up with, you know, finally runs around killing all these guys. Well, we've seen him kill lots of guys or whatever. And then we now have both Common and Ruby Rose. And then the whole bit with all the people on the underground who mm-hmm. appear to get lines so they get to have a proper fight with him and an interesting fight rather than just shooting him in the head. Uh, do we ever think, and, it, and here's a question for you, did you ever think, oh, Ruby Rose could beat this guy? I did for a minute. Hmm. But then, I and I can't even remember specifically when it happened, but there was a moment where my, my instant thought was, no, she's going to die. Yeah. Like, we're just, she's going to die. Especially after his two big fights with Common. Mm-hmm. If anyone was going to beat him, that would have been the thing. Yes. Was something about that character. That was an honorable character doing the right thing, trying to get vengeance for the woman he'd killed and so on. Ruby Rose was just set up to be kind of evil. So once he's beaten Common, I never feel like, oh... This is really risky. How is John Wick going to... No, you think, how is John Wick going to get out of this one? But you never think he's not going to get out of it. Right. So the stakes aren't right. The stakes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, totally planned. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I did... I did find it curious that he willingly chose to break the rules and kill... I can never remember this guy's name. I want to call him Santorini, but that's not his name. Like Santino, maybe? Santino. Is it Santino? Mm-hmm. Like, he breaks the rules and kills him in the Continental, which I find fascinating because Santino is so cocky in that moment, mm-hmm. believing that he's safe because of where he is. And so I kind of appreciate John Wick taking advantage of that moment, knowing full well what the consequences of it are going to be. But at the same time, Winston's character fascinates me because I thought Winston was going to kill him mm-hmm. as a result. Mm-hmm. And so did John. I think John was just ready to be done. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to do this. And then my life is forfeit and we're just done. And Winston says, no, that's not how we're going to do this. And 
That was a small bit of nuance that I appreciated in the hot mess of a story that this became. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. And it sets up the third one nicely. Like, I want to see what this world looks like when John Wick is on the run and doesn't have resources. Right. Which I'm assuming that's what the third one is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's also that feeling that this is not a story on its own. This is part two in at least a three-part story. Yeah. You know, could, could, well, yeah, because I was surprised. I thought that within the story, this was going to take place years later. Mm. That he went back into retirement, and now he's getting called out again. Yeah. But this movie opened up with him getting his car back from mm-hmm. the first one. And I spent the longest time, okay, it was probably like 20 minutes, trying to figure out, okay, <laughs> is this a prologue? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, are they? is this a prologue? He's getting his car back. He's going to get it fixed. And then it's going to jump three years into the future where he's resettled. And now he's getting called back out of retirement. But no, it just picks up. It's like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Mm. And can you please tell me why nobody who works for these, like, mafia bosses who are terrified of John Wick are not also terrified of John Wick? Yeah. And are just prepared to run in, like, hey, boss, that's John Wick. I'm not going to run in there. Yeah, why wasn't there just this, like, blanket rule? If John Wick comes in for his car, just let him have the damn car. Mm. Like, don't try to kill him because he's going to kill you. Yeah. Why does that not exist in this world? Absolutely. And, and, like, he loved that car. There's a whole thing of, you know, he spends so much time on the car and his wife noticed that and all, all of this kind of thing. He trashes the car. He does. He utterly trashes the car. But he got the birthday card with the photo back. That's true. That's true. And he's getting the car fixed. Yeah, but you know what? Like, he trashes the car. I can only assume that the car is going to make an appearance in the third one. Since it didn't. Uh, true. I expected us to get John... I can't say his name. We just went through this whole thing. I don't know his last name, but... Legisimo? Yes, that guy. Mm-hmm. I expected us at the end of this movie, he was going to bring the car back fixed because it's going to have been weeks or whatever, and he's going to get his car back and he's going to be happy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Clearly that didn't happen. So the car's going to have to make an appearance in the third one because it was such a big deal. Mm. Like, it's Chekhov's car, right? Mm-hmm. So Ruby Rose is not de- Rose. is not deaf and is playing a deaf character. Okay, fine. Okay. You know, that that could have been better. That could have been someone who was actually deaf getting the opportunity to be in, to, in a film, but they didn't, so fine. Is one of two women in this film? Yes. One of whom is in power and very sexy and then kills herself. And Ruby Rose is very androgynous and literally does not have a voice. She doesn't have a physical voice, but I think she had a voice. What, through the use of sign language, what did she say that was an import to this film other than flipping the bird at John Wick? I mean, nothing. Yeah. It's, there are a few decisions like that that I think are not done very well. I, I, in the first one, we liked Adrian Blitzky. She was an interesting character. She clearly had a background. She clearly had personality and a drive of her own. She got in a fight with John Wick and did damage to him and he did damage to her. It was a good fight. And then even mm-hmm. when she's then handcuffed up, she's breaking her hand to break out and so on. She's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. There was nothing in Ruby Rose that made me go, oh, I want to see more about this character's story. That's fair. Was- and the fight between them was not nearly as interesting as the fight in the first one. No. I mean, he didn't hold his punches back, but... He was clearly going to beat her. Yeah. 
real shame. And, and in fact, I've thought of one other woman in the film, which is the concierge at the Italian Continental Hotel. Oh, yes. Who was also a woman of colour, in the same way that Caron at the New York... Uh, Lance Reddick, is it? Or the, the chat- it is Lance Reddick, yeah. yeah. At, at, at the Zavala to me. New York Continental is a person of colour. And it's like, well, I'm glad we've got commons, so we're not just saying, hey, the black people serve behind the desks. Oh, okay. There's just a few weird things with the optics in this. And Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's just they didn't think about it. Just lots of stunt bro dudes writing this stuff and then putting it out. And you think, do you know, this could have been anyone. This could have been anyone as Ruby Rose. Did not have to be Ruby Rose. So why is it not a deaf person? I think they wanted the shock factor of having this beautiful, smaller woman being put up against... Keanu Reeves. Right. Because Keanu, in these movies, Keanu Reeves is huge. Yeah. You know, and, and she is half his size. Yeah. I mean, and she's known for being a model. Is she? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's a model for a while. I mean, in a more androgynous sort of way, but mm-hmm. still very beautiful. Okay. Because, yeah. And, and I think there was some of that shock value there. Mm. All, all the films I've seen her in are slightly more kind of action based. So mm. this. Um, I mean, obviously not Pitch Perfect 3, <laughs> but The Meg. Oh, I forgot she was in that. Yeah, The Meg, Triple X, 3, uh, and obviously Batwoman. I'm trying to see. I'm sure I've seen her in something else. Oh, yeah, Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I know her from Orange is the New yeah, Black yeah. and then Googling her because I was like, who is that gorgeous woman on Orange is the New Black <laughs> with all the wonderful tattoos? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I... So it sounds like we, we have differing opinions, mm. although we kind of agree on the basics of this movie. It's it's not this beautiful cinematic masterpiece. No. And the movie could have it been executed fun. better. Yeah. I just am more generous because I enjoy the world. Yeah. Uh, I think is where we are. Yeah. Like the, I mean, the action's good. And I can say everything about the action that I said in the first one. So I, I'd rather be watching the first one. <laughs> Give right. me a point okay. behind this. Um, and it almost felt a little bit more kind of CGI setup. I think I think one of the cool things in the first one is there's this element of slight indie feel to it. You know, we the story about mm. only having four stuntmen and this kind of thing. Um, mm. The fact this opens with a big car chase and people being thrown around and all this, and it, it feels much bigger and much more produced. Yeah. yeah. It, some of the action scenes were a little more visceral. Mm-hmm. Like, we got the callback to the pencil. Mm-hmm. Like, he used yeah, yeah, the pencil yeah. against the two guys, and then they close up on the, like, the brain matter the hanging off the, the pencil. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. So that was a little bit different. I think this is kind of like, so Pitch Perfect 2, no, 3. Like, the premise of Pitch Perfect 3 is mm-hmm. kind of that the Bellas have just gone bigger and bigger and bigger until they're just utterly ridiculous now. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of what John Wick's doing. Yeah. Each one, they're just trying to get bigger and bigger and better and more explosions and shinier. And sometimes that's not always better. Yeah. Who thought that you would ever hear somebody compare <laughs> John Wick to Pitch Perfect? Pitch Perfect 3. They even have to shoehorn in a weird competition aspect to it. Yes. And, and yet there is an opportunity that the first time they meet all the other bands they're touring with, there's a really cool thing where the other bands kind of team up against them to do a, a sing-off moment. Mm-hmm. 
And there's a thing in there that they could have done a really interesting thing that this is like a sort of celebration tour of them actually getting to know these other bands and dispersing into the different worlds they want to be part of and, and making new friendships, new relationships. But it actually closes in on itself even more and sets up the Bellas are against everyone else. It's like, uh, okay, no, but do something different here. Do something kind of cool. And the, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, he turns to Lawrence Fishburne. But I don't get why in the end, other than it gives him a slightly safe harbour and he gets smuggled into a place. But mm-hmm. it seems to be trying to imply a bigger thing about the Bowery King and all these beggars who are actually assassins underground and mm-hmm. so on. Which, you know, okay, so cool, there's a second underground secret society thing. Where I, it was really cool where we had, like, Will, no, not William Hurt, William Defoe helping him out. Yes. And, and other people working with him and the, the currency being exchanged at each moment and so on. And now suddenly we're getting into bargains and trading and it goes, it goes too big in the wrong way, mm-hmm. which is a shame. It makes me wonder if three is going to do the same thing, but I'm hoping they scale it back a little bit since yeah. he's lost his resources. Mm. Like I'm hoping that the third one is just a man and his dog trying to survive. Yeah. I don't know that that's what it's going to be because I mean it's John Wick. Of course he's going to survive. I mean, have you met the guy? Yeah, he doesn't lose. No, and it's called Parabellum. Oh, I didn't know that. It has a name. It's not John just Wick John Wick. Th- I really three, thought it was John Wick Three. Parabellum, whatever the blooming heck that means. <laughs> Is that a real word? Let's find out. Hold, please. <laughs> uh, search Google for Parabellum. Is commonly used to refer to Parabellum firearms cartridge. So it's a gun term? Uh, Brand? Parabellum is Latin, says Keanu Reeves. It's the second half of the Latin phrase, si vis pacem parabellum. It basically, if you want peace, prepare for war. Okay. Interesting. All right. <laughs> that was a tangent. <laughs> That we, we we talked about Pitch Perfect. We've got lots of tangents. Yeah, here. clearly. <laughs> so let's get back on track. Did you have any favorite moments from this one at all? I, again, I can talk about the violence and the action and so on, and you know it does the same stuff. So that's cool. I I did like some of the gunplay setup stuff. So I like you, you know that he we see him at the sommelier getting all these guns, and we don't see him using them. And he's actually put them at specific points because he knows they're going to turn on him. I think setting up that he knows he's possibly going to be under fire flies in the face of where they sort of try to make it a surprise that he's then attacked. Hmm. Was clearly he knew. But it is cool that, like, he sets up this defense of himself so he's got all these, like, good weapons to go and use. Mm-hmm. But I particularly like when he gets the gun with the seven bullets in it and he uses the seven bullets to stage his first defense and then starts trading guns at each moment he can. Mm-hmm. And it feels like something like Halo. Which, you know, these films are basically video games. One of the revolutionary things of the first Halo game was that you couldn't carry every weapon and full ammo for every weapon at all times. Like you could in Quake and Doom and the big games before that. You could carry two weapons, four weapons, some weapons. And you were trading what weapon you had based on what was lying around from the guys you shoot. You know, and, okay. and it, it is this proper thing of, you know, a, 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 even a super soldier could not carry absolutely every weapon and absolutely every right. grenade and all this sort of thing. So you are like, oh, I'm almost out of bullets for this one. So I'll pick up this one and then use that for a bit mm-hmm. and then use the next one, and then use the next one. And I like seeing it in this and I like the way we see him doing that. Um, and just, okay. just trying to trade up. It felt more realistic. Okay. That makes sense. For certain definitions of realistic in a John Wick. Sure. Film. 
<laughs> the fight with Common on the Metro, yes. I really enjoyed. Um, I like the setup to it. There's a really nice build-up. Although the build-up, again, doesn't work because they've just been firing at each other in a fountain. So why are they now trying to downplay it and be really quiet about fighting? But fine. Um, During that fight, it's quite good. It's the same sort of, you know, fight on a Metro that we've seen in lots of other films. Batman films. We've seen it in Buffy. We've seen it in Die Hard and things. There is a moment in the fight between Keanu Reeves and Uncommon on the Metro where... Like, Common throws a punch. John Wick dodges it and kicks him. And in the next moment, there's just a hint on Common's face of, I'm losing. He's Mm -hmm. he's just done something that allows him to get the upper hand. He's just, you know, it's just gone in his direction. And for the next few seconds, and and Common does lose the fight, you can see on his face, there's just a hint of desperation, a hint of, oh, this is not going well. Oh, I really need to figure out how I turn this round. Mm-hmm. And then he can't because he's just becoming more desperate. So he's getting a little bit more sloppy and, and losing at that mm-hmm. point. I don't think you see that in most fights. And I really liked it. I really like this. I, I am so good. I can understand that he's getting the upper hand here. Right. Normally it's the sort of Matrix style action of you don't know who's winning until someone wins. Right. So, someone does the kickiest kick and they win. <laughs> You know. I like that, the kickiest game. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, John Hodgman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, the ending of that fight is very well done. That is a mm-hmm. really good bit of action. Everything up to that, even their first fight, the whole bit in the in the Rome back streets and falling downstairs. As soon as you see the shot of the stairs, like, well, you can't have a shot of stairs in an action film and not have it go off in Act 3 and someone fall down the said stairs. So, oh look! Oh, no. are those the stairs though that John Wick fell down, but he purposely fell down to get down them? Like he didn't fall down those stairs. I think they both end up falling down them, hmm. and then they go into the underground thing fighting. So, so that's nice. Um, and the other moment that did stand out for me is the discussion between Common and John Wick at the bar, where they're having this conversation, but they really don't want to be there and they just want to kill each other. Right. And Common says, "So you're free." And John Wick goes, "Am I?" And Common just looks at him and goes, no. <laughs> like, he's seeking revenge, whatever he, whatever else happens. And that's good. Yeah. It, you know, there's no false niceness to it. You, you get that they're obeying by the rules, which is important to establish how important the rules are, of course. Mm-hmm. Without rules, we're animals. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I really liked that sort of establishing what they're going to do to each other. And, yeah. and of course, it's telling that he doesn't kill Common. So I'm expecting him back in the third one. I have a question. Oh, okay. So there was a theme running through this movie that I don't recall being in the first one. Mm-hmm. Of John Wick giving people a choice. Mm-hmm. Did we see that in the first one? Or was the first one such an isolated incident with, like, it was all just about the one dude and his nephew. It wasn't like we weren't seeing worldwide what was happening. So does it... Does it make sense? That there is a moment in the first one where he comes up behind Francis, who was a bouncer at the Red Circle, played by Kevin Nash. Yes. And we and, and again, he lets him go home. He lets him go home, and there's a really nice thing of him saying, "John Wick, sir, how are you?" And you know, being really polite to him because uh, you know the, the sort of hierarchy, power differential mm-hmm. there. So it, I, I think it's feeding off that vibe. Okay. Except, do we buy? That he lets Common go, or, or doesn't kill him, rather. 
Maybe. Honestly, I think I do. Okay. Because he doesn't seem to be, other than general henchmen, like, he doesn't kill people for the sake of killing people. Mm. Right? He he didn't want to kill Common. He was protecting himself, defending himself, because right. Common was trying to get revenge on what John Wick had to do. Okay. So it does make sense to me that, that he doesn't want to kill him mm. and that he would let him go. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, he does not give Ruby Rose that choice. And I think that's because she works for the man who is trying to murder him. Yep. Right? Like, I I think that that's some sort of code of ethics Mm -hmm. for John. Which is an interesting thing whenever you, you know, a few scenes prior, we saw Common and Keanu Reeves walking down two levels of the street, shooting at each other in a crowd of people with silencers. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, just so confident in their shots that while they can't hit each other, they're also not going to hit anybody else. Right? <laughs> but again, they were shooting through a fountain at each other, which means they didn't care about the background. Right. Yeah. Again, it doesn't quite... So there's some inconsistencies yeah. there. I-, I thought with the Ruby Rose fight, they were going to do a really nice inversion where he would stick the knife in her and tell her, uh, you know, you can pull it out or you can... Blah, 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 mm-hmm. Something like that. And that she would try and kill him anyway. That would have been nicer. You know, inverted, that she doesn't care, she just wants to take him down, so he has to do something worse. But they don't even do that? Mm. Yeah. We really do need to, like, have this Matthew fixes a movie thing. <laughs> we do. It just feels like so much work, either rewriting a script that we figure out how we re- re- record the script, or putting together a video that, if you did this, this, and this... And, you know, five people watch it and go, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. How about you? You you definitely liked it a lot more than I did, I think. So what did you like about it? I did. Well, and we've already talked extensively about the universe. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's my number one thing is just I want to spend – I want to understand this universe. Right, because okay. it's so different mm. from anything I've ever seen. I love it. One of my favorite lines in the first one was – John Wick basically yelling, I'm back. I'm thinking I'm back. Yes. You know, and and there was kind of a callback to this. Killed it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sans, I don't know. Santino? It's not Santorini. Santino. There we go. (laughs) You know, he's talking to him and he says, you wanted me back? Well, I'm back. (laughs) Yeah. You know, very, very similar. Not as good as the first one, but still nice. No, I like that. But yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Lawrence Fishburne says to him, you're not very good at retiring. And John Wick says, I'm working on that. Yeah. And I I love that they sprinkle little bits of humor mm. throughout. Mm. It's not just nonstop action. No, absolutely. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Good. All right. Good. Well, Mr. Matthew, is there anything else that we need to discuss about John Wick Chapter 2? I mean, you know, hey, are we going to do John Wick 3? We are. Yeah. I need to see John Wick and his dog, and I need to see the dog not die. <laughs> the dog didn't die in this one. I know. And it's going to be the same dog and the dog without a name. Should he have left the dog with Lance Reddick? Yes. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I mean, at the end. Not even during the film. He shouldn't have taken the dog Oh, back. at the end. Because didn't he steal the I dog? I expected him first? to. I honestly mm. expected him to, because it was clear he thought he was going to die. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. But given that we know he didn't die, I'm glad he has his dog with him. Okay. So he's not alone. Okay. But that means he has to protect the dog. Mm. 
So I, I'm really interested to see what they do in the third one. Yeah. I wonder if in the third one, will the dog come and save him at some point? Have you seen the third one yet? No. Oh. I was okay. so bored by the second one. I just can't bring myself oh. to the third one. Because, right. like, what if it keeps getting worse? That first one is so good. I mean, could this mm-hmm. be the series that's like the new Jaws? Jaws is such a good film. Jaws is one of the great films of all time. With some of the worst sequels ever made. So no <laughs> one talks about the sequels. They just ignore them. Right. Like, what if John Wick is the same? Like, oh, you have to go and watch John Wick. Yeah. Just don't watch any of the sequels. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to put a call out. If anybody has seen and loved John Wick 3, reach out to us because mm. it sounds like we may need a voice of reason on that one. Yeah. The voice of reason's not, not the right, not the right phrase, but maybe some balance. Some balance. Yes. Let's do that. Yes. So let us know. Good. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. Or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. We are 100% funded by our amazing Patreon pals on Patreon. Uh, any, any amount you can give, even $1 a month, it gives access to exclusive content. It gives you bonus shows, early shows. You can get two extra podcasts per month. And you can get uh, our exclusive merch, stickers and magnets and all sorts of exciting things. If you wanted to find out more and help support us, help us develop new shows, you can go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week with another brand new episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we are going to talk about So I Married an Axe Murderer. Until then, I'm Mandy Kay. And I need something robust. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.